Securities offered through Cetera Advisor Networks, LLC, member FINRA SIPC. Investment advisory services offered through CWM, LLC, an SEC-registered investment advisor. Cetera Advisor Networks, LLC, is under separate ownership from any other named entity. Carson Partners, a division of CWM, LLC, is a nationwide partnership of advisors. This is The Way to Wealth. With host Scott Ford, a jiu-jitsu fighting, woodworking, beekeeping entrepreneur who is also the managing director, partner, and wealth advisor of Carson Wealth. Financial freedom is the goal, and clarity and simplicity is how we'll get there. Let's get to it. This is Way to Wealth. Hello, and welcome back to the Way to Wealth podcast, where we're all about making money simple, allowing you to fully live and to fully live now. Super excited today. I have a longtime friend and partner in the business, Scott Toms. And uh, yeah, I, I always I say this a lot as far as being a weakest link on the team being me, but Scott clearly uh, has tons of strength and, and abilities and unique gifts that he brings to the team and to our clients. So super excited to have him on the podcast. So with that, welcome to the Way to Wealth podcast, Scott Toms. Happy to be here. Happy to join. Thanks, Scott. Yeah, yeah. Well, we've known each other a long time. In fact, I lose track, but it's been, gosh, it's been a long time. We even played some sports together uh, as kids. So it was, that's kind of funny to see those pictures. So uh, I know I've known you for a long time, but maybe the audience doesn't. So I'd love to hear a little bit uh, about your backstory to, to share and just really what, what all the way along, really what got you here today, a little bit about your backstory, where you came and what gets you on this podcast. Sure. Absolutely. Happy to share. So I am local. I'm uh, born and raised here in Western Maryland. I actually um, went to school here. I went to college here, went to Shepherd University. Uh, coming out of college, I started as an accounting major, kind of figured out two years in that accounting wasn't exactly for me. I love numbers, but um, pivoted more to business management, graduated with a BS, came out and found my way into uh, basically working as a manager for corporate America, uh, landed in transportation and logistics. And it was a great place to start. I, I gained some great experience and learned a lot of things. But one of the things I noticed was the industry that I worked in just didn't fit my uh, personality and, and my mentality. It was a very abrasive environment where um, it was just also stressful and Ironically, one of my college buddies, who I also went to, to high school with, called me up and said, and he knew I was in a pretty stressful uh, situation. And he's like, hey, you know, I just, I just went to work for this firm, uh, very fast growing firm, great group of people, small business environment. It's in financial services. I went to college with him. So he knew I was very passionate about the stock market. And I had started investing at a young age and was working with an advisor myself. So he's like, why don't you come talk to this guy? And I'm like, well, okay, who's this guy? He's like, well, his name's Scott Ford. And I was like, well, I know Scott Ford. We used to play basketball and baseball together when we were kids. And I know him from, you know, he's pretty close age to me. So long story short, met with Scott, John Saunders too, who were colleagues at the time, decided to make the jump into financial services starting from scratch where I was in a management position making some pretty good money uh, was married at the time to my high school sweetheart, uh, had a mortgage, all those things. So it was a leap of faith, but best decision I ever made in my life. And I've been doing it going on 21 years now and uh, just really enjoy what I do. 
And yeah, close in age. I am younger. Just going to go ahead and throw that out there <laughs> by like a day or something. Anyway, uh, yeah, that's funny to hear uh, that piece of it. So it's, you know, know someone for a long time and then you, you hear stuff like that and you still learn and pick stuff up, which is which is cool. I talk a lot about making money simple and, you know, the audience has certainly heard the reasons for that for me, which I'll, I'll likely continue to repeat. Um, but what about you, uh, Scott? What, what's, uh, what's important about making money simple to you? I guess when I think about it, you know, dealing and working with clients, just seeing their reaction when you're able to clarify something for them and bring it down and simplify and how that affects them and how it makes sense. Seeing that every day is what I'm passionate about. So our industry is complex. It has evolved over the years since I've been doing this, particularly in the last five to 10 years, there seems to be a push and Carson is at the front of this to try to simplify finances and make it simple. But in the past, things were built from a complex standpoint for a reason, uh, because it gave financial services more control. If you make it complex and the client doesn't understand, well, then it's it's easier to control. So that has evolved and we're certainly not about that at all at Carson Wealth. So just being able to simplify and clarify and make things simple for the client and seeing how that affects them and how they can take that to their everyday lives and really focus on living now is, is what it means to me. Yeah, thanks. Um, looking at the way to wealth, just hence why we call the podcast the way to wealth podcast. It's it's designed for that. It's it's designed to make money simple, uh, mm-hmm. to put you back into that control and driver's seat of your finances, so that you can fully live now in the areas that you're passionate about, interested in, um, and that really you know the highest and best version of you. Right. So when you think of the way to wealth, and Tom's. Again, we've been together, known each other a long time here. Um, so I, I may let you walk through this. Uh, certainly, the way is living now. The two is the team, and then wealth the acronym is what is your foundation. And then we get into our three buckets approach of establishing savings, having income to cover expenses, and having growth to keep up with inflation. Um, but why don't you articulate your thinking and you know your vernacular of the three buckets in the way to wealth? how you see it and just kind of um, yeah, go through that. And then specifically, we'll get into bucket two, but I'd like to hear your thoughts sure. on just the three bucket approach. Well, it's all about simplifying once again. So investments can be complex and um, a, lot of, a lot of people don't understand the, the intricacies and the, the, you know, when you get in the weeds on how money's managed, it is complex. And it's not that we don't do that. We certainly do. Um, but we try to, we use a bucketing methodology to basically simplify and educate the clients basically on what their different accounts are designed to do from a time horizon and purpose standpoint. So when you think about savings, we kind of view savings different than investing, which a lot of our competition doesn't. They tend to put all that in together and feel like even your savings money should be invested uh, in different vehicles like bonds or stocks, whatever. We try to flip the script on that and really look at savings based on what the client's needs are because that's really the the comfort and the peace and comfort part is setting aside savings in a way that um, it, it helps the client feel comfortable. We, we kind of, we call this their comfort fund. We ask them, 
what are you comfortable with in that savings bucket with no market risk um, that's highly liquid? And every client's a little different. We have some that, you know, if they have $10,000 there, they want the rest working for them. And we have others that if they don't have a couple hundred thousand, they can't sleep at night. So we, it's very unique to the client. That's how we view savings different than investing. It's a big part of the way to wealth and the bucket methodology. And then the rest of the bucket plan, there's two other buckets. Income and growth is where we basically carve out and try to build uh, or build a sustainable process to keep them educated, keep it simple, but have a piece that's more conservative in that middle income bucket that's going to take care of them for the next 10 years and give them that security of having good cash flow and income to meet their needs so they can live now. And then the growth piece, everyone knows how that works. That's the longer term money where we want to outpace inflation. It's different for different clients. Many times it's, you know, it's equities where we try to you know, make hay when the sun's shining and outpace inflation and get some nice growth uh, and swing for the fences. Other clients, it might be, you know, real estate or gold or different things of that nature. But in essence, the bucketing methodology and that EA and L in the way to wealth is just all about educating the client and trying to keep it simple so they understand what their different accounts are designed to do um, over time. Yeah, that's it. Yep. Uh, uh, thank you. And so, you know, thinking about the savings bucket being different, that, that is, most people don't think about it like that. And we like to call it emergency and opportunity funds. And like, like you had shared, it, it varies per individual and client. And some, it depends on your net worth. Like if you have, you know, 10 million or 20 million or 50 million, you may want 5 million in savings. It just depends on what that comfort fund is for you. And it's for, um, you know, again, opportunity. So you're letting the you have the ability to let the game come to you. And then in that income, you set it. So we 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 say at least one year in the savings bucket, at least 10 years in the income bucket. And then some people want lifetime guarantee, lifetime income there that that all their expenses are going to be covered by bucket number two. Uh, and we have that capability, and then we can swing for the fences in bucket three. And just really you look at it big picture wise. If you're listening, think about that. You know, if you have uh, a big market downturn, and you know we're we're in a raging, we've been in this longest bull, mar- bull market in history. At some point, that comes to an end. It's just cyclical, and then we'll get in another bull market. But after a bear market, so so we're due. And the point is, this helps. the The biggest risk we I've seen, and I and I, I know you as well, Scott, is that people doing the wrong thing at the wrong time is always has been and always big, you know, always will be the greatest risk. And the psychology of that's the issue. And so this just helps because you get a 20% correction in the market, your million dollar portfolio, that piece is down to 800,000, but not all their money is in growth. So you recognize you got one year in savings, you got 10 years of income covered. It, it, it helps you stick with the game plan and navigate Trif, uh, tricky and in, in tough markets. Any additional thoughts or commentary on that? Yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head. But it, I, in my mind, it, it gives them that that really that financial freedom in that middle bucket, particularly that income bucket. And we target that number based on what they need. So if you think about income, you know it's the thing that makes us feel comfortable while we're working, right? We know we have a nice income flowing in. 
every week or every two weeks when we get paid, we know we have flexibility to work more hours and make more money or take on a second job. Well, when you retire, that's one of the biggest, that is the biggest anxiety that a, uh, a client deals with when they step into that big life-changing event and move from a nice salary coming in to a fixed income. So carving out that piece in that middle bucket gives them the financial freedom because they know they have a piece of their portfolio and that the size of that piece really depends on what they need to live now and to live comfortably and meet their expenses in retirement. But we help them with all that and we have a formula to solve for how much goes in that income bucket. Um, But it really gives them that freedom so they know that even when things get a little choppy, that bucket is conservatively invested. It's going to hold up. They're going to see it. We show that to them that, you know, there's not a lot of volatility in that bucket. It's more about dividends and interest. Sometimes there's guarantees, but it gives them that peace and comfort that they're taking care of on that side. And that's really where the game's won and lost because it's very similar to when they're working. They know they have that. Um, And we're all emotional, right? To Scott's point, you know, if you look at, there's a lot of research on this. We make bad decisions based on emotions. And when markets get choppy, um, I've seen that over my career, clients, uh, prospects that come in to see us that have made bad decisions or have taken withdrawals from investments that are under a lot of pressure. And it's really a double whammy. You can't, the number one reason that Americans run out of money is what's called sequence of returns risk. And that's why we use a bucketing methodology to, to battle against that, basically. Yeah. So just to touch on that briefly, so sequence of returns is talking about, you know, if, if you're not in withdrawal phase and you have a down three years and then up seven and you just flip that, your return where you have the down three years, the last of the 10, there's no real effect. When you're taking withdrawals, and you have the down three years, it, it, you run out of money basically, or have the potential of running out of the money versus having the positive first. So that's the sequence of returns. Hence why bucketing makes sense. And you touched on this a little bit, Scott. One question I had thought to ask is what's the difference between net worth and income? Well, one is you, you said talking to people retiring. I don't know how many times I've heard this, but a lot. And the thought is I've had this income for when I'm working, I have this income. That goes away. And some of these clients have millions and millions of net worth, and they're still super uncomfortable. In fact, some of the most uncomfortable are those that have a pretty solid net worth. And I think it points to the difference between net worth and income. So what are your thoughts on that, the difference between net worth and income? I think the biggest difference is you know, really being able to live now. If, if you have stable income, um, you're able to focus and be comfortable and live now. A high net worth doesn't necessarily mean that. You can have a substantial net worth in hard assets that are illiquid, that don't spit off any income, and you're miserable because you, you have illiquidity. So it's not helping you live now at all. Looks great on paper, but uh, it just it, it doesn't feel good. So having income that's sometimes guaranteed or not guaranteed, but just, you know, it's there, it's safe, it's coming in. You can focus on living now and it just, it just provides a lot of 
a lot of comfort and sustainability to your plan. Yeah, totally. And I think, candidly, most advisors miss this. I mean, at the end of the day, you can't spend that worth. I don't care what your balance sheet network is showing. I don't care how many millions it is. You don't spend that. You spend the income off of that or other sources. And so that's why clearly delineating that where you have an income bucket like we do to show this is covered either for life or for 10 years just really helps with that peace of mind and that understanding that this is not that complicated. I'm good here in this in this situation. So what would be examples of situations where you've seen this done well, meaning the income handled and maybe not done so well? Mm-hmm. So I would say done well is, you know, a client that that follows a methodology like this is disciplined with it, that that trusts us to manage it and, you know, has a portion of their income needs basically uh, guaranteed, some not that's flowing off their portfolio. But the important part with that is the withdrawals that we are taking are a rate that is acceptable uh, to meet their needs. So, one of the things that you still have to be cognizant of or conscientious of with investment withdrawals is, you know, if you're pulling off 10%, if you have a million dollars and you're pulling off a hundred thousand a year, well, that's a pretty challenging withdrawal rate, right? So where I've seen this work really well is where clients use a bucketing methodology. They allow us to manage it. We refill the buckets as needed and we're able to time that a bit, but the withdrawals that they take are within a reasonable withdrawal rate they have social security or some other guaranteed income to, to, to offset that. And, and uh, they follow our lead and they, they do very well. And in most situations, they're even able to grow their principal too for a legacy benefit for the next generation. Where it doesn't work well and where I've seen over my career uh, is when two things, you know, sometimes it's just a traditional 60-40 portfolio where Clients are pulling income from both their equities and their bond piece equally, and they're doing it in poor markets. I've seen clients run out of money uh, that way, prospects run out of money that way. One of the things I've noticed that, that, that a lot of times happen is when, a, when a, uh, a certain individual has a concentrated position and maybe uh, uh, one stock that they used to work there or a stock that they really like and they're taking income from that, and then we get a bear market, and they're taking, uh, they're having to sell that when it's under a lot of pressure. I've seen um, some some tough scenarios there when you know concentrated positions where you know folks have had to table their retirement a few years because that big position in that stock that did well for them for thirty years didn't do so well. Something changed. They didn't have that diversification. They didn't have that different bucketing methodology, the conservative with the growth. It was all growth. And the timing just didn't, for certain circumstances, didn't line up and, and it didn't work. Yeah. So thinking about the, the, the bucketing methodology of savings, income, and growth, and recognizing that we all are, we're all different. So there's no one size fits all approach. And so, you know, where, where I think people get that wrong is, yeah, we do one year, 10 year and, you know, put it in growth and have the same allocation across the board. You're not recognizing that we, we all are different and have different tolerances and preferences, et cetera. So when you think of that and you think about the options in the savings bucket, what are some options in the savings bucket uh, that you see, and then for what use for what uses? Sure. 
So your traditional things at local banks like CDs, money markets, savings account, although they are challenging to get yield right now, that would be certainly some options for the saving bu- savings bucket. We actually use a unique uh, concept. We call it the family bank concept where we're able to work with particularly those clients that have really good cash flow and park some money in a family banking type situation where they have their own family bank. It's a type of whole life contract that that has a lot of cash value so they can lend to themselves and have control and asset protection. There's a lot of benefits to that. So we'll use that sometimes in a savings bucket. Um, short-term bonds with low risk, you know, we'll use in the savings bucket too. But the savings bucket is all about uh, liquidity and safety. We don't want risk in that savings bucket. How about income? Uh, what, what would be options uh, available there that you would that you see? So we always tried. We always put a, an inflation hedge on the income bucket, which is we've used traditionally two and a half percent a year, and we carve out ten years in that middle income bucket. So we will have a portion of that income bucket in in something that's going to outplace inflation over time. So things like equities. And when I say portion, we normally cap it at about 25, 30%. We don't want a lot of risk in that income bucket, but equities tend to do well there, diversified equity portfolio, fixed income, so bonds, a diversified bond portfolio, high yields, short and long-term government, corporates, munis, depending on the client situation, um, you know, treasuries, if, if the clients want some guarantees. And then uh, also, in reference to guarantees, sometimes we'll use uh, equity index annuities or fixed annuities where we use a, an insurance company to give the client some guaranteed income. Um, if the client's more risk averse, that tends to work very well, too. Yeah, I mean, it, de- it depends on the client exactly right. And so there are options. Certainly, there's equities with dividends and you could do uh, option where you're doing covered right strategies to produce more uh, income. You could argue whether bonds are you know, less aggressive at the moment, but the point is you're getting yield in certain situations and it just depends on the risk tolerance. And then those that just want more guarantees, then may consider insurance companies to provide those guarantees. So you know, when you think about that, that piece of the guarantees, why that can make sense is one, super risk averse, you want guarantees. And two, what's the biggest risk of the income bucket? Well, it's living too long. Well, who better to negate that risk than an insurance company? Because if people are living too long, they're an insurance company not paying out death benefits, they're going to be benefit and be able to help counter that risk by paying income while you live longer than what you anticipated. So with that, thank you so much for joining Tom's and sharing your wisdom and uh, years, uh, what you've learned and been involved with in the industry. Any closing thoughts that you would have uh, for the audience? I would just say, you know, it's for those of you that are clients or listening in, it's been my pleasure to work with you over the years. I really enjoy what I do and it's real, really fun place to work. Enjoy everything you do too, Scott. Yeah. Yeah, man. It, it will, let's continue on. We're, we're Speaking of uh, living long, I think the life expectancy now with these insurance companies is 120. So we're not even halfway there, man. Let's keep <laughs> on rolling and doing this thing. We'll see how it all plays out. So with that, thank you for joining the Way to Wealth podcast, where we're all about making money simple so you can fully live now. Look forward to catching you all on the next podcast. Be well. 
The opinions voiced in Way to Wealth with Scott Ford, Managing Director, Partner, and Wealth Advisor of Carson Wealth, are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. Past performance is no guarantee of future results. All indices are unmanaged and may not be invested into directly. Investing involves risk, including possible loss of principal. No strategy assures success or protects against loss. To determine what may be appropriate for you, consult with your attorney, accountant, financial, or tax advisor prior to investing. Guests on Way to Wealth are not affiliated with CWM LLC or Satara Advisor Networks LLC. Carson Wealth, 19833, Leitersburg Pike, Suite 1, Hagerstown, Maryland, 21742.